This evening, uh, I've enjoyed getting to know Brother McMurtry a little bit better uh, over the years, and he was just a little guy uh, when I came to Amboy. We've been in Amboy for 21 years. It doesn't seem possible. I don't even think I'm that old yet, but we've uh, been uh, <laughs> there a long time. We've enjoyed it, and uh, church is uh, a wonderful place to be. And we are thrilled at what God is doing in this place and so happy to see you and to be with you this evening. I took a little tour and I looked behind the curtain to see what was back there tonight. <clears throat> I've been looking around here and seeing. I love these steps. I was going to pull them down for my wife, but I thought she might slap me in front of everybody. Uh, the steps up here. <laughs> oh boy! But uh, we are so glad to be here this evening, and I want to share some things with you from the Word of God this evening in Hebrews chapter number twelve. If you turn there in your Bible, Hebrews chapter number. 12, and we at our church, every year we will have a theme. I will pick out a verse at the beginning of the year that will be our theme verse throughout the year. And this year we are focusing on the life, the ministry, the earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ and encouraging our people to spend a lot of time in the Gospels. And much of my preaching this year will be on the life of Christ and I actually started in December, and uh, I think the best way to prepare to study the life of Christ, the transition from the Old Testament to the New Testament, is the book of Hebrews. And I've just been kind of stuck in the book of Hebrews, to be quite honest with you. And uh, Hebrews chapter 12, 
I'm going to show you our theme verse for the year and, and uh, preach a message from this this evening. Hebrews chapter 12, if you beginning verse number 1, it says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Now, verse number 2 is our, our theme, looking unto Jesus. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Ye have not yet resisted unto blood." striving against sin. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we do thank You for Your goodness to us. Thank You for this time we can be together with these dear folks this evening as we've been praying for them. It's good to see faces of folks that we've been praying for. And of course, the McMurtry family, it's such a blessing to see them again and to watch their family grow and, and being used of You to start this church here. And, and Lord, we just pray that You would meet with us tonight. Speak to us through the Word of God this evening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, I say there, when you go to different churches, you feel a little bit out of place because that's, it's like when you go to someone's home. Uh, that's not your home. You're a guest. And uh, I told my wife on the way here, I, I feel like, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to my church. I almost feel like I'm not preaching tonight. Oh, oh, that's right. I am preaching. We're just going to a different place, but I'm still doing the preaching. But uh, uh, it is good to be with you. And you see different things. That, that's kind of a neat idea. Uh, I wasn't sure what the kids were doing with those coins. Is that for missions, I assume? Or is that? Okay. I thought uh, it reminded me when we were kids. I was raised in a family with 13 children. And uh, my mother, uh, once a week, went to the laundry. We didn't have wash and dry at home. We went to the laundromat once a week. And all day was washing and drying clothes. And many times we, in the summertime, went with her. And in the laundromat, there's all these wonderful machines everywhere. And people are putting coins in those machines. You know what that means. They drop coins and they go under the machine. And uh, us little uh, urchins would crawling under. We'd go to the cleaners that was in the building and ask for hangers. The guy saw us coming. He would just set hangers out. And we'd be reaching under the machines, grabbing all the coins. And that's kind of what that reminded me. Some of the kids at our church kind of do that with our pop machines. I thought, that's a good thing to clean up after the offering. Make sure nobody dropped any coins. They're just coming around picking up all the loose coins. No, but, uh, I wasn't sure what that was. But uh, I'm glad that's going to something. That <laughs> it's in the pop machine afterwards, but uh, but it is good to be with you, and it's always uh, fun to go to different churches and meet different folks, and uh, I want to look at this verse this evening, and uh, of course we understand this, that we are saved by trusting Jesus Christ as our Savior. Aren't you glad you're saved tonight? Amen. Enjoy singing that song about being saved tonight. But I've noticed this in the years that I've been a Christian, I've been saved for over 30 years now, and pastoring for just over 20 years. And I've seen many folks that fall by the wayside. As you go out visiting folks and inviting people to church and meeting folks in your community, you, you meet a, a lot of people that say, well, yeah, I used to go to church. I used to uh, believe in that stuff. I used to read the Bible. I used to uh, maybe give 
to the Lord's work. I used to teach a Sunday school class. I used to do that. You meet a lot of used-to-be's. You meet a lot of shipwrecks along the way. A lot of tragedies. And in talking to these kind of people, I always notice they all have one thing in common. Somewhere along the line, they took their eyes off of Jesus Christ and put them on something else. And I want to talk to you tonight for a few moments, and primarily those of us who know we're saved tonight, of keeping our eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse number 3, the last part of the verse says, Lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. If you're going to fall by the wayside, if you're going to faint, it's going to first be a mind game. Now, I grew up involved in all kinds of athletics, and uh, I know that in, I've kind of lost interest in a lot of athletic things today uh, other than hunting and fishing. That's that's real athletics there. That's real sport there. But, uh, uh, but uh, I notice that many times in any sport, it's not the most talented team that wins. It's the one that has the right spirit and the right heart, the right drive. They've got their focus. They've got their mind in the game. And... Our mindset, our attitude is a major part of winning. And the same thing is true in the Christian life. We've got to keep our focus on the right thing. Somebody that's running a race in track has got to... Now, I ran a little bit of track. I talked about some of the sports uh, that I've been involved in once in a while. And uh, uh, I run a little bit of track, not too much, because I wasn't very fast, to be quite honest with you. Uh, I ran in track because the football coach thought it would make me faster if I would run track. That didn't work either. Uh, but uh, they say you're not supposed to look at anything but the finish. You're not supposed to look at the other runners. Now, to me, that was never a problem because the other runners were all in front of me. So it didn't matter who I would, I could look at them and look at the, the, the finish line at the same time. But uh, with horses, if those, anybody here likes to be, I've never been much of a cowboy, but uh, the uh, horses many times will have on their side, they're working in a field or pulling wagon, they have what they call blinds uh, uh, to keep their eyes focused on the right thing. We're talking about looking unto Jesus. I want to encourage you to keep looking unto Jesus as a Christian. He's the one that saved you and He's the one that will keep you. Jesus said, No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of heaven. And we're going to keep going. We're going to have to keep looking at Jesus. And a wonderful promise is found in the last part of verse number 3 that if we take our eyes off, we're going to be weary. We're going to faint in our mind. Now looking to Jesus, I want to show you some things in verse number 1 before we get to verse 2 and 3. Uh, I've really got four points and the first three lead up to the, the main point. And the first three are found in verse number one. If we're going to look to Jesus, there's some things that God gives us to help us along the way. To help us to look to Jesus. First of all, in verse number one, the first part of the verse says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. If you want to look at Jesus, you need to first of all look at the saints. Look at, and what this is, is a transition from chapter number 11. If you're familiar with all with the book of Hebrews, you know that Hebrews chapter 11 is what many folks call the hall of fame or the hall of faith. It talks about the great saints of the Old Testament. And I like the way the chapter ends, and beginning in verse number 38 of chapter 11, uh, of whom the world was not worthy. 
For they wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And these all, all these great saints, these great heroes of the faith, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. God giving them some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. You see, we're running a relay race, and they've run the first leg, and we're running the leg right now. And their victory depends on what we do. Uh, and uh, our victory depends, of course, on what they, they've already run their race. And uh, we need to look to them and look at some lessons that they learn. Look at the things that God teaches. These things are given for our examples. That we can learn from their mistakes, learn from the things they did wrong, learn from the things that they did right. And look to them, look to the saints. Now sometimes folks raise their eyebrows and you say saints. Let me just define saints are folks that are saved. It's not folks that you pray to to get you to heaven or get you out of purgatory. It's not, you know, special, uh, they're folks that are saved. If you're saved tonight, you're a saint. And we need to look to the saints, uh, to encourage us along the way. Now I believe very strongly, and that's why we're involved and always thrilled when we see folks starting a local church, I believe very strongly in the ministry of the local church. In fact, it's the only church I see in the Bible that we ought to be concerned about today is the local New Testament visible church. Uh, and uh, I believe in the ministry of the local church. There's no better place in all the world to find saints that can give you strength, that can give you encouragement, that can help you along the way. Folks that you know, that you see along life's way, you know the struggles they're facing. They know the struggles you're facing. Uh, and you can be a help and encouragement along the way. Look to the saints. In fact, if you go back a couple of chapters in Hebrews chapter number 10, let me show you a couple of verses here. And uh, there are many verses in the book of Hebrews that talk about the local church. Hebrews 10 and beginning in verse number 23 says, Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for He is faithful that promise. Let us consider one another and provoke unto love and good works. Sometimes you see that word provoke, it has a negative meaning. But we're to provoke each other unto love and good works. That's all within uh, the confines of a local church. Verse number 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together uh, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more. As you see the day approaching, your pastor mentioned something about that day approaching. We need to be in church more today than we ever have before. I believe in the ministry of the local church. In Hebrews chapter 3 and verse number 13, verse 12 and 13, I had a preacher that was very influential in my early days of my Christian life that I think just about every time he taught a lesson or preached, he quoted Hebrews 3.13. Hebrews 3, verse 12 and 13 says, Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily. Not just Sunday, daily. Uh, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness 
of sin. We need each other. We need to look to the saints. We need to know where to find help. And thank God for, for godly pastors. I'm thankful for your pastor in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse number 17. And again, just one more verse about that you see verses throughout the book of Hebrews about the church. And verse number 17, Obey them that have the rule over you. Uh, now, I know your pastor well enough that he's not going to you know, whip you into submission and be a, a dictator. He's not that type of a person. If he was, he wouldn't be my friend anyways. But, uh, uh, and, uh, but uh, they have a rule over you, submitting yourselves. And notice this, for they watch for your souls as they that must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for this is unprofitable for you. You know, that verse tells me your pastor is going to give an account for you. In fact, he does give an account for you every day when he prays for you. When he lifts you up and I, I pray for my people and I talk to them. And, you know, sometimes there's folks you pray for and, and it's not a good life that they're living. They're not doing right. And you talk to the Lord and, and you just say, Lord, I, I pray that you would just work in their heart and change their life. Transform their life. Make them what they could be for God. And, uh, they, it, it, and it becomes a grief to you when you pray for them. And it, it's good to pray for folks that are doing right. That's a joy to pray for folk, those folks. That's what he's talking about. They may do it with joy. It's wonderful to pray for folks that are doing right and not with grief. Uh, for that is unprofitable for you. It's not good for to have somebody that uh, that's always egging you to do right and you just keep doing wrong. Do right. Live for God. Look to the saints. Now, uh, back to Hebrews chapter 12. If we're going to look to Jesus, we need to first of all look to the saints. And very quickly, I've heard many messages preach on this particular part of verse number 1. We need to look away from the world. If we're going to look to Jesus Christ, we're going to have to look away from things. If I'm going to look at that flag over there, I'm going to have to look away from stuff that's over there. I'm going to focus my attention on that. That means by nature, I'm looking away from something. Look at verse number 1, the middle part of the verse. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. Those besetting sins and those weights. And there is a difference between a weight and sin. Let me give you a quick definition of what they are. I've heard entire messages preached on the weights and the sins that detract us from walking with God. A weight is a good thing that keeps us from the best thing. Your family is a good thing. But if your family keeps you out of church, that good thing kept you from the best thing. Uh, if your family keeps you from getting saved. When I got saved, I had family members that were not too thrilled about that. When I wanted to live for the Lord, I had family members that fought me every way they could to get me out of doing what God wanted me to do. And I thank God for my family. Uh, but my And my family's a good thing but if my family keeps me from doing God, they become a weight. They're keeping me from the best thing. A weight is something that's good that's keeping you from the best. Now, I, I say my family. I'm not talking about my wife and my children. Uh, but uh, my wife and I met after I got saved. And uh, thank the Lord for my children. This is our, our youngest daughter here. And uh, I know I'm not old enough to be a grandpa, but we are grandparents and uh, my wife definitely doesn't look old enough to be a grandmother uh, but we love being grandparents and uh, love uh, our children and our grandchildren but uh, our family is a good thing but our family can't keep us from the best thing of the Lord Jesus Christ a weight is a good thing that keeps us from the best thing now we all know what sins are sins are bad things that keep us from the best things there are things we ought not to be doing 
that uh, keep us from serving God and knowing God and walking with God. So look away from the world. Look away from the weights and the sins of the world. Now we're preparing to look unto Jesus. If we're going to look unto Jesus, we first must look to the saints. We must look away from the world. And then, I like this in verse number 1. There's one other thing I want to point out. In verse number 1, the last part of the verse, let us run with patience the race that is set before us. We need to run our own race. I can't run your race. You can't run my race. We need to run our own race. Um, 1 Thessalonians 4.11 Those of you have young children, this is a good verse for you to, to use with your children. Because you see this problem with your children all the time. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 11 says, And that you study to be quiet. That's good right there, isn't it? Uh, and uh, do your own business. Work with your own hands. Do your own business. That's your job. You do your job. Uh, we have... At our church, my wife will meet with the ladies for Bible study on Thursday mornings, and I get to come and watch the children while the ladies are meeting for Bible study. I love it, actually. Uh, and uh, I like to spend time with all the kids, but uh, I, I was just thinking of that while I was looking at these verses and this Thursday morning. See, two little boys. Uh, over here playing, having a great time. They just got, you know, a ball bouncing back and forth or whatever they're playing with. And then, actually, one of the boys' big sister comes over to help them. And you know what happened. All of a sudden, they weren't playing real good together anymore. She grabbed them both and knocked them down and, oh, I'm helping them. They're not doing this right. Uh, and I wanted to quote that verse, mind your own business. They were doing fine on their own. But you know we do the same thing as adults. Let me come over and help you. I know how you could do this better. Now, run your own race. Run the race that is set before you. Uh, was, uh, let, us, uh, let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Run with patience. Uh, again, I've, I've been involved in... I remember one time in... Uh, in high school in a football team, you come back to the huddle and uh, to get the next play that you're going to run. And one guy on this side of me and one guy on the other side of me, and on the same team, are duking it out. That ain't the way for a team to be working together. That's not a good sign there. Uh, one person has their responsibility, another person has their responsibility, and we need to just focus on our responsibility and do the best that we can with our job. And success in anything in life, and just like in sports, and as an individual, I'm going to answer to my coach in an athletic field. I'm going to answer to my God in my Christian life. And I'm going to answer... Uh, to my coach, but I also, my team is going to answer to someone. And victory depends on each individual doing their part on their team and working together, pulling together. And the victory depends on an individual doing their job, not fighting with each other. I'll just do the best. If somebody's having trouble, we'll, we'll, we'll do what we can to encourage them, but we'll do our job and let them do their job. I'm not going to go over there and do their job and let my job undone and mess up their job at the same time. I'm going to do, I'm going to run my race that's set before me and it says to run with 
patience. The word patience means endurance. The Christian life is a marathon, not a sprint. Uh, I I think of uh, when I was in high school, I ran a, on a track team. I wasn't any good at it, but I wanted a reason to stay after school. Uh, and uh, that time of year, so I ran on the track team and one time, and usually they'd say, why don't you go over there and high jump or something and just don't bother anybody. And uh, one time they were short on one person running a relay race. It happened to be a two-mile relay race. I thought, two miles? I can't run two miles. I thought, oh, you only have to run one four, you only have to run one half mile. And we'll let you go first, so you'll be done first. And I thought, I think I two laps around that field, I can handle that. Now, granted, I'd not trained for it. I'd not prepared. One guy was sick or for some reason couldn't run, so they just threw me in at the last minute. And I started off with a pot baton, you know, I'm gonna run this race, I'm gonna keep us in there. And man, the first hundred yards, I was in first place, feeling pretty good about this. Man, look at this! I'm ahead of everybody. Time we got halfway around that court, all of a sudden everybody's passed me. And we got around the track one time, everybody's around the corner already, and I'm still crossing I've got another lap to go. By the time I got done, man, I was almost literally on my hands and knees crawling with that baton. Get rid of this thing. I'm not going to make Yeah, Life is not a, uh, a short race. It's a marathon. And you've got to be prepared. You've got to say, let's keep going. Let's run with endurance. The Bible says in Revelation 2 and verse number 10, Be thou faithful unto death. Be faithful unto death, and I'll give thee the crown of life. Run your own race. Whatever the trial, whatever the heartache, whatever the burden God gives you, seek His grace to help you through that burden. And all those things will help us to get to verse number 2, and that's where we're going tonight. Uh, run, uh, run your own race, look away from the world, look to the saints, and those things will help us to verse number 2, to look Unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Look unto Jesus. It's His plan. He's the author. It's His plan of salvation. Uh, the, the gospel is His story. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Aren't you glad for that? He gave His Son. His Son willingly left His throne of heaven. He veiled His deity in humanity. Uh, the book of Hebrews explains to us that His flesh was a veil of His deity. They saw Him in the flesh and didn't realize they were looking at the very face of God when they saw the face of Jesus Christ. He was no different. There was nothing unusual about Him. He didn't have a halo around His head. He didn't wear white glow-in-the-dark clothes uh, as some of the pictures you see of Him. Uh, he was no different than any other man, but the gospel is a story of the God-man, the perfect man, Jesus Christ, who left heaven. His life didn't begin when He came to this earth. He left heaven where He lived in eternity past, where He spoke the world into existence. He came into this world to seek and to save you and I, to die for us on a cruel cross, to be laid in a grave, and three days later to come out of that grave. Our hope of 
salvation today is in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because He lives, we shall live also. He gave the promise to His disciples that I will come again to receive you unto Myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. We have that hope. We have that promise. Uh, He is the author of that hope. He's the one that made it. We love Him because He first loved us. Uh, I like the verse in the book of Romans says, God commendeth His love toward us. And oftentimes we'll share that verse with folks and say, well, that word commend means that He demonstrated His love. Well, it means that, but it means much more than that. We say, well, it means that He he approved His love for us. Yes, He did, but it means much more than that. That word commendeth His love toward us means He initiated love. We were unlovely. We were undeserving. And God, the author of our salvation, loved us when there was no reason He should love us. He is the author of our faith. He's the reason of our hope. But notice this, He is also not the author of our faith only, but He is the finisher of our faith. It doesn't say He's the finish line. He is the finisher. There's a big difference there. When you're running a race, you're focusing on the finish line. I'm going to get to the finish line. I'm going to make it to that line. I'm going to get to the end of that race. But Jesus is not the finish line. He is the finisher. He is the one that literally when we fall, He picks us up and carries us across that line. He's the one that He is our comforter. He is our strength. He's the administer of God's grace. When we need someone to to, uh, to hold us, when we need someone, uh, maybe our, our, our burden is too uh, heavy, our cares are more than we can bear, uh, our worries are more than we can handle, we need to look to the finisher of our faith and hold to Him and let Him sustain us. Let Him lift us up. He is the author, the finisher of our faith. Stay in church where you can look to the saints. Uh, look away from the world. Don't look to the, uh, the, the world's crowd for help. Uh, I was visiting with somebody uh, this week and, and, and I think of folks often that are looking everywhere except where they ought to be looking for counsel. Looking everywhere except where they ought to. They ought to be looking to Jesus, first of all. And if you're looking to Jesus, you're going to realize that the best counsel you'll ever get was with some uh, uh, your ladies, some of the godly ladies in your church uh, that are walking with God. And uh, your man, your pastor, or the godly men in your church, you get the best counsel you'll ever find right there. And uh, sometimes a woman gets in trouble and she starts, you know, listening to the world's advice and, uh, you know, Oprah or her girlfriend or whatever uh, the case may be. Uh, you can listen to that for days and you won't get near the, the help that you'll get by talking to some godly lady for five minutes. And praying with them, finding strength with the saints of God, and looking away from the counsel, the advice of the world, and running your, realize this is the cross that Jesus has given. There's no temptation taken me but such as is common to man, but my God is faithful. And He will not suffer me to be tempted above that which I'm able to bear. But He will with the temptation make also a way for me to escape that I may be able to bear it. He's the author and the finisher of my faith. I need to be looking to Him. And notice what it says in verse number 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him. Who for the joy. I like to be around Christians that enjoy living. I like to be around Christians that enjoy life. There's just something about, you know, most of us can point to somebody 
you brought up through uh, a school system of any kind, uh, I always wondered, why is it that somewhere along the line, we all run into a teacher that doesn't like children? You ever had one of those? Huh? <laughs> I can tell you which one it was that I had. That's where my education stopped at third grade. <laughs> uh, and you wonder, why don't they get a job that they like? Well, I, you know, they're putting up with us little brat. Well, you chose a job, not me. Don't complain about it. Uh, and, uh, you know, sometimes I get around Christians uh, or even preachers that don't like people. How do you, how's that? You figure that one out. Uh, Christians that just don't like, you know, talking about the Lord or serving the Lord. They just do it because they have to do it. I like to be around folks that find joy in life. Jesus lived and He took our sorrows, He took our burdens upon Himself. He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. But this verse says that, who for the joy that was set before Him. I believe a Christian ought to have a song in there. In fact, that's one of the first evidences of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual psalms, singing and making melody in your heart unto the Lord. Hey, somebody is walking with the Lord. Uh, I caught myself this morning uh, in our service during the, the offering. Sometimes other people notice it before I did. I guess it's because I was thinking a little bit about it. Uh, while the off, uh, well, our piano was on this side. A lady was playing the piano during the offering. And... I caught myself sitting up here whistling almost louder than the piano was playing. I stopped that. And sometimes, I, I, without even knowing that I'm doing it, and you're walking with the Lord, you have the joy that you just can't help but get it out. You can't help but express it. And Jesus, because of the joy that was set you, knowing what He must go through, He endured the cross, looking beyond that cross, looking toward the joy that one day He's going to be back on the right hand of His Father in heaven. One day we as God's people, those that are mocking Him and scoffing at Him, He looked out of that crowd and said, some of these folks are going to get saved. And they're going to be with Me in heaven one day. And Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And He for the joy... Uh, for the, uh, the joy that was set before Him, He endured the cross despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Look unto Jesus. Look unto Him. For consider Him, in verse number 3, that endured such contradiction of sinners against Himself. Lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. I can absolutely 100% guarantee you none of us will ever face what Jesus endured. But He did it for us. And he went to the cross with joy knowing what was on the other side. The Apostle Paul, I can guarantee you none of us will ever face all the things that the Apostle Paul faced in his earthly ministry. Probably nobody in here is going to be stoned to death for preaching the gospel. I don't imagine that's going to happen to us. I don't imagine any of us will be let down a wall in a basket to escape those that are out to kill us. Uh, I'm not. In fact, verse number four says, "Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin." I've shed a lot of tears, but I've not shed any blood for the cross of Christ. Huh? I've not resisted unto blood. I've never had anybody beat me, whip me for living for God. Now I've had a lot of folks laugh. 
I, I've shed some tears. I must be honest with that, but I, I've not shed any blood. I believe if our country continues to go the direction it's going, there's going to come a time much sooner than a lot of us realize where we are going to shed some blood for the cause of Christ. And we need to be praying for our country and the hope for our country is with God's people living for God and sharing the gospel with those. But, but Paul went through some things that you and I will probably never face. Yet Paul said this in Romans 8 and verse number 18, For I reckon... I like that. shows me Paul was a hillbilly. I reckon. I'm going to tell you what. I reckon. Uh, 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 no, I'm adding something to the Scripture there. But is I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. It's not, it's not even worth comparing the trial, the heartache, the burdens that we carry today with what we're going to have in heaven. I think Paul would say with the big amen, some folks think that the Apostle Paul wrote the book of Hebrews. I don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews, okay? Uh, someone said John R. Rice wrote it. I don't know. I don't think he wrote it. Uh, you know who he is, but, uh, uh, but, uh, uh, but uh, we need to look to Jesus and consider Him that endured such contradiction of sinners against Himself, lest we be weary and faint. In our mind, if we take our eyes off of Jesus Christ, we're headed for trouble. I've seen many times in my life and been guilty of it myself. The Lord had to remind me, get your eyes on the right thing. You get our eyes on others, you're going to fall. Now, you need to look to your church, but look to them as they follow Christ. Look to your pastors as they follow Christ. Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. And we get our eyes on others and try to run their life instead of taking care of our own business. And we get ourselves in trouble. We take our eyes off of Jesus. Sometimes we take our eyes off Jesus and put them on ourselves. We get so much, you know, I get so weary of all this self stuff. The self-esteem, the self-help. And I just came to the conclusion a long time ago, anything that starts with self is bad. Now, the Bible says we ought to esteem others better than ourselves. But when we start with self, which is the fad in Christianity and has been for a number of years, just like it is with the world, you know, we say our kids, well, you don't have enough self-esteem, so let's give you self-esteem. Okay, now i got my self-esteem. I'll just blow you away because I don't care about you. All I care about is myself. And the problem is they got too much self-esteem. And we're trying to build their self. Anything that starts with self always leads to disaster. When I start looking at myself and get my eyes off Jesus Christ, I'm in a whole lot of trouble. I need to keep my eyes focused on Him. Looking unto Jesus. Looking unto Him for salvation. Looking unto Him for strength. Looking unto Him for guidance. Looking unto Him and how I should raise my family. Looking unto Him and how I should conduct myself in my marriage. How I should conduct myself at work. Looking unto Jesus. Following the pattern that He has set before us. Let's follow Him. And it starts with salvation. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you can't possibly follow Him. Uh, you're trying to follow someone that you can't see and you're living by the eye of, uh, the eye of your flesh and you need to begin the, 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 your Christian life by trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior. Looking unto Jesus. He's the author and He's the one that's going to finish. Not just the finish line, but the finisher 
of our faith. Let him carry you. Come unto me, Jesus said, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your soul. Come unto me. Look unto me, and ye shall find rest. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet if you will. And uh, we could have Mr. McMurtry come and play the piano in just a moment. And I want to give you an invitation. If you are here this evening, now I don't know you. Some of you I've got to meet just briefly before the service. I don't know the folks that are here. Usually on a Sunday night, there are folks that know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. But there may be somebody here that's never trusted Christ as your Savior. Maybe you're struggling with that matter of salvation. Maybe you're looking to religion, looking to to your works, looking to uh, your own goodness for salvation. The Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. And none of us can save ourselves. I would encourage you to come and let us show you. Let Pastor McMurtry and myself would be glad to show you from the Bible how you can know for sure you're saved and on your way to heaven before you leave this building this evening. And maybe you're here this evening and you need to just come and dedicate yourself and say, God, I want to keep my, keep my focus on you. Keep looking unto you, the author and the finisher of my faith. I'm going to pray and then we'll have Pastor McMurtry come and the music begin to play. If God's dealt with you, I'd encourage you to come and use this altar this evening. Father, we pray that you would bless these dear folks this evening. We're thrilled to see what you're doing here. I pray your blessing on Pastor McMurtry and his dear family and these good folks here. And Lord, I pray that you would help them to keep their eyes fixed on you. If there's one here that's not saved, I pray especially that you would show them that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And there is no salvation outside of Him. And Lord, I pray that You'd help us as Christians to keep our eyes focused on You and to just learn to walk with You. And Lord, every day with Jesus, the song says, is sweeter than the day before. We pray Your blessing now in Jesus' name. Amen. God spoke to your heart. Hope you come.